So Austin, I know uh, this is a pretty open weekend for you, but this is about as as exciting and busy of a weekend as my boring life gets. And that's because this weekend is March Madness. Were you aware of this? Pass. Pass. <laughs> Pass. Yeah, I get it. You know, you don't have a team. And when you don't have a team, it doesn't really matter how good a sport is. You're not going to be into it. Like, I've never uh, liked a sport that I didn't have a team on. That's true, but also college basketball is objectively a bad sport. Now, I get the appeal of the tournament. Single elimination. There's a lot of teams involved. Anybody can win. You know, like you got your 16 seeds beating your one seeds finally, you know, occasionally. Occasionally you've got your 12 seed, you know, getting into the final four or whatever it is. You know, like whatever. The last time I watched a tournament game was when Texas Tech was in the final four. And it was so I could see my boy Pat on yep. TV, flexing his guns, guzzling his popcorn, you know, <laughs> Travis Kelsey hanging out. They were gears. having a blast. They were. They were having a blast, and I was having a blast. And other than that, I got to tell you, I just don't really get into it. Amateur athletics just doesn't do it for me. You have to be raised into it because yeah. the quality of play is yep. so poor that it just, you know, I mean, it's just a bunch of dumb idiots who don't have fully developed brains or bodies <laughs> going out doing dumb stuff. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. It's not exactly the most refined version of basketball. But then again, neither is the NBA. There really isn't a refined version of basketball. It's all chaos. It's all they're either too bad in college or don't care in the NBA, in my opinion. See, that's the other thing. I don't have an NBA team, so I don't really care about the NBA like I you know, you had the Spurs for a while. I guess you mm-hmm. kind of you have a little NBA loyalty there. I wonder if there's room in your heart for both, if in anyone's heart, for both college and NBA basketball. You know, they're different products. And for a long time, you know, people would say like, oh, I don't watch the NBA. It's just, you know, it's just superstars and they're doing ISO and all this stuff. And the NBA went through a really cool period when I was a Spurs fan where the good teams in the NBA were doing all kinds of really cool offenses, just a lot of movement, ball movement and pick and rolls and all this cool stuff, you know, space and pace. And I feel like the NBA And I think probably college is sort of following its path, you know, has sort of been killed a little bit by analytics. Now this is a very old man take. Oh yeah. Wow. But you know, the, the, but the three pointer and the dunk, you know, like you just, you don't have, you don't have the mid range jump shot. It's not a thing anymore. I know it's not effective (laughs) and I get that, but I I don't know. It's just sort of like, I mean, it's sort of the same thing with baseball and things like the shift, right? Like the shift is objectively, it is boring it is bad, but like, I don't want them to ban the shift because that would be stupid. Don't change the rules. Like the players need to adapt and evolve. Right. But that's, that could take decades. Right. Like, so now we're going to just watch people hit into a four man shift on the, the right side of the infield. Cause they can't hit the ball the other way. Did or we're going to watch guys jack up like 53s in a game. Cause they, they don't want to shoot, you know, five feet inside the line. I, did you know that the minor league uh, league this year is banning shifts as a, as a rule change, sort of as an experiment, they are saying that um, all four infielders have to be on the infield dirt at all times, which takes away the ability for, you know, that exaggerated shift. They're also doing more robot ump stuff. So, I mean, maybe a little good with the bad there. Uh, yeah, sure. Well, robot umps are a great idea, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I, I'm all for allowing the game to evolve naturally. And I think that's the way to go. But I do think that both baseball and basketball are sort of in a little bit of a, a dry spell right now. And fortunately, we don't have to worry about that because this podcast is about football.
Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, brought to you by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report, si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs. Find them on Twitter at SI Chiefs. I'm Austin on Twitter, as always, at Real Bird Lawyer. And here with me, as always, is my man, Taylor Witt, on Twitter at Taylor underscore Witt. Taylor, it is free agency week, and so you're going to have to put off your weird tournament obsession that everybody else shares with you, except for me for a couple more days, at least another hour while we kick out this podcast. Yeah, it's uh, it might be March Madness, but boy, March Madness has another name in the NFL and it has been it's been quite a week. It has been quite a week and we have quite a pod for you guys. As always, we're going to recap the news and there was a ton of it. We're recording again on a Thursday. We're just I guess we record on Thursdays now because we, we got to allow more time for the news to develop. You know, we got to give it some time to simmer and then bubble up. And so we're going to talk about that. We have a mailbag question from our mailbag superstar, Jordan Scarron. And we also have a roast. We are roasting the 2009 draft this week. Next week, I just pulled the name out of a hat before the show. We're going to roast 2011, which is actually a pretty good draft. But you know what? We're going to put it to shame. And sometime in the future, we got a suggestion from another one of our superstar Birds of War, Corey 04, the artist chief. He wants us to roast John Gruden. And John Gruden is extremely roastable. We've not roasted him before. So stay tuned for that at some point in the future. <laughs> We're going to do a mini roast of him when we talk about the news because oh my woof. We sure are. Wow. And let's just let's just dive into it. Let's let's do it. Let's let's hit the drop here. News, 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 news. news, 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 news. news. So to start this off, Taylor, we're obviously we're going to talk about free agency. That's been dominating the news this week. But a major item dropped this afternoon. The NFL finally has reached its new TV deals with all the networks. And these TV deals are worth $10 billion a year for the next 11 years. So every network is back into the mix. All the good ones, all the hits, NBC, ABC, ESPN, NFL Network and Amazon is getting in on the action. In fact, they are getting an exclusive right to broadcast Thursday Night Football through Prime. So that's cool. We're all Prime customers. So, you know, hooray, we'll all be able to watch uh, Thursday Night Football. But I want to talk briefly about what this means for the league. And obviously, we don't know exactly what the cap figures are going to look like every year. But this is a massive extension of the NFL's revenue stream. And that can only mean good things for the salary cap. Yeah, the NFL swimming in cash, as they always have been and probably always will be. Uh, the $10 billion a year. That's not a $10 billion TV deal. That's $10 billion a year for 11 years, which if my math is right, carry the one, divide by <laughs> 10, $110 billion. So, I mean... We're talking Dr. Evil money here. It's uh, it's you know, it's good to uh, good to have really expensive contracts that you were worried about paying for because I think they're going to be OK. Yeah. So just to put this in perspective, this essentially doubled the last deal. The last deal was around somewhere around five billion dollars a year. They're now going to make ten billion dollars a year. This was after we obviously have gone through a massive recession and a global pandemic, which is ongoing, the NFL is doubling its money. It's good to have the most popular sports product in America. And as you said, this is just uh, this is a good thing for the Chiefs. We talked about it last year when we were first kicking off the inaugural season of the pod. The Chiefs locked up all of their superstars to contract extensions last year. And people said, how can the Chiefs do this? They started this offseason with $177 in cap space. <laughs> we're in a pandemic. The cap is probably going to go down next year. 
how are the Chiefs going to pull this off? Not only did they pull it off, Taylor, they put themselves in a position where they have locked up Chris Jones, Tyree Kill for at least a couple more years, Frank Clark, although who knows if he's actually good, but Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, they are on the team for the next several years, locked up to a fixed deal that is going to start looking like, I mean, there are already bargains. There were bargains the moment these guys signed, but man, these deals are going to look unbelievable. Yeah, it's they just so clearly have the right read on their finances. It's just been it hasn't been more apparent than these last uh, two off seasons. And, you know, it not only have they signed the superstars, but they still have room. They still have, you know, 30 million or so as we talk here on Thursday night that they can spend in free agency. Uh, We're going to kind of talk about what maybe their plan is there, but you know, they're not just at the cap and then now they can't buy anybody. Everybody always talks about, Oh, now that the chiefs extended everybody, you know, they're out of money. They're not going to be able to compete. Like, no, they still have the most competitive roster in the NFL and room to work with. It's, it's mind blowing. Yeah, it is. And just to give you guys a little bit of perspective on Mahomes in particular, that's the big one. Because not only is it the biggest contract on the team, he's also the best player on the team. He's the best player in the NFL. He's the best player in the history of the NFL. He's the best human being ever. And we uh, looked up a little projection from Greg Thompson. He's a Twitter cap guru. So he's predicting a $200 million cap in 2022. That's going to get it back to about where it was last year, a little bit higher than it was last year. Then 215 million in 2023, 231 million the following year, and going all the way out to 2030, 350 million dollars. Billion or million? Cap space. Oh yeah, yeah. Million per team. Yeah, yeah. 350 million dollars <laughs> per team in cap space in 2030. To give you an idea of how much money that is, Patrick Mahomes has a 50 million dollar cap hit in 2030 right which would be the biggest cap hit anybody's ever seen right like i sure. i think we've occasionally seen you know i think jared goff had one goofy year where he was you know getting like a 50 mil cap hit aaron Rodgers, i think next year has a massive cap hit mm-hmm. but this is a huge number if we're talking about a you know 180 million dollar cap 50 50 million and 180 million dollar cap is an absurd number however in a $350 million cap, that's 14% of the cap. Jeez. That's super low. Yeah. It's not even close to being a huge captain. No. It, it's going to be extremely affordable. And obviously the Chiefs, as we kind of talked about last week, have the ability to spread this money around through the life of this deal, which runs for you know the next 11 years after the season. It's, it's unbelievable. It's a great situation for the Chiefs. A uh, little bit of news here, and, and I'd be interested to hear kind of your feedback on this. We learned today that Monday Night Football is not going to be flexible, which means games could be moved into and, most importantly, out of <laughs> Monday Night Football. Most importantly is right, yeah. Yeah, most weeks you, you don't really go into it and you're thinking, you know, man, I wish this game was in prime time. But what you do think pretty much it's feel, it felt like every week last year was, man, I wish this game wasn't in prime time because it is a trash matchup. And so giving the NFL the ability to massage that around a little bit, get their hot teams in there on their big – you know, big ratings nights. I mean, it's just it's just more money flowing in. That's all it is. And it gives the Chiefs and even some other teams that, um, you know, some more opportunities to get their primetime spotlight and get the crappy Jets and, and all these Bears and terrible teams. Get them out of the spotlight. They don't deserve to be there. They don't. And fortunately, it doesn't sound like we are going to have to watch them in primetime that much more. Uh, we are probably going to get a 17 
a 17th game starting next year that hasn't mm-hmm. been confirmed but it is it's highly almost, likely yes it's almost official uh so we'll, we'll stay tuned for that so that was the big news now we we get a dive into the free agency pool so free agency legal tampering started on monday and the chiefs were hot out of the gate they made a huge splash signing almost immediately within the first few hours i mean this was on monday afternoon joe tooney formerly of the new england patriots Left guard by trade, five years, $80 million, $48 million through the first three seasons, guaranteed. And this was the number one guy on your draft board, Taylor. <laughs> I took him one overall. Now, we're not going to talk about uh, the fact that out of the 20 players, there are only one, two, three, four, five, six left. Uh, but, yeah, we uh, we got our guy, got the, the number one guard on the board, uh, very well thought of and respected guard out of new England. And uh, he's going to, he's going to really shore up this line. Yeah. One of the two or three best guards in the league by all accounts. And a guy who has a lot of positional flexibility as well, which is something that we'll probably be discussing throughout the show today. Mm-hmm. It's not hundred percent clear where he's going to play. His primary position is left guard, but he's also played right guard. He's played center. He's taken a few snaps of right tackle and he actually was kind of, the Patriots emergency left tackle in 2019, they drafted Isaiah Wynn in the first round that year. He was supposed to be their left tackle. He gets hurt in training camp and Joe Tooney was the guy that they were going to move to left tackle. So he kind of spent that training camp playing left tackle. Now they ended up making a stopgap signing so they didn't have to move him out of position. Point is he can play a lot of different places. There's a lot of different ways that this could go. Yeah. He, uh, he was an all American left tackle in college and So he clearly has the versatility. Uh, He said everything, what you want to hear in the press conference, they, Teicher did ask him about the positional um, assignment. And he said what you always hear, which is whatever it takes to help the team win. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to bat an eye if they ask me to, you know, play tackle or center or anything like that. So, you know, that his mindset at least publicly is in the right place and his skill set seems to be in the right place as well. Um, it should be interesting. I don't think they're going to sign him for this type of money and move him certainly not to center. I think that's, you know, an overpay to uh, bring a center in, but man, if they, uh, if they need him at tackle and he's comfortable playing there and they, he takes some reps and looks good. I mean, this would be a cheap deal for a tackle. It would be. And I don't think the plan is for them to move him there full time, but right. the chiefs obviously have, they obviously have a lot of question marks on the offensive line. We'll get into their other major signing here in a minute, but they have still kind of needs at both tackle positions. You would like to see them upgrade at center. And if they go out and sign, you know, some, some veteran, you know, some minimum level veterans, you know, some, some guys that could maybe be sort of replacement level starters, or even if they go out and they spend big in the draft and they, they spend a lot of draft capital to bring in rookies. It's nice to know that they have some guys that they could move around if those signings don't work out. So for instance, spoiler alert, we'll talk about it, but Mike Rimmers is back at right tackle. If Mike Rimmers is terrible and they don't have anybody else to play right tackle, they could move Joe Tooney to right tackle. He's played right tackle before, you know, like if somebody gets hurt, or, you know, whoever they're playing a tackle at left tackle isn't performing. They could slide him out to left tackle. It's it's nice to have somebody that is an elite left guard. Mm-hmm. But if they had to move him out of position, they could and they could they could get by with that. 
Well, and the other thing that they're going to have to consider is the depth at guard right now is pretty good. And and if they had to move Tooney out of the left guard spot, not only are they thinking about how he would perform in another position, but also who would replace him at left guard. And right now, that's one of the deepest positions on the Chiefs is the guard. So um, it's it feels like a plan that it's a really, really safe safety net which is what you want. You know, you want to have good backups because as we've found out shit in, invariably goes wrong in an NFL season and stuff gets thrown at them that they don't prepare for. And this would just be another, you know, they, they didn't respond to the offensive line getting decimated by injuries the way they wanted last year. And I think a versatile big offensive lineman signing is kind of their way of saying, all right, we can't go through that again. I don't care what happens. We cannot lose guys and not be able to plug in, other guys there. So I, I liked, not only did I like spending big on the offensive line, but Tooney specifically, that's why I took him number one. I, I really like the guy. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, just to reiterate, I like the fact that he is elite at a position, right? Yep. Like there's no, there's no point in signing a guy like, for example, Cam Irving, who yeah. can play all five spots on the offensive line and got $8 million from the Panthers mm. guaranteed. And they, they were hyping him up. They made a big social media post about him today. There's no point in having a guy like that if he sucks at every position, right? <laughs> like he could be bad at every position. Cool. What's the value in that? But having a guy who is elite at one position and can play other positions also, well, that is really valuable. And so it was a lot of money, but I do think it was a good signing by the Chiefs. Let's hop into signing number two, mm-hmm. which officially took place yesterday afternoon. Kyle Long was retired a former bear elite right guard three-time pro bowler retired in 2019 and now is back he looks jacked he looks ripped he's hungry he's ready to go son of the former raider great howie long uh brother of chris long defensive end in the nfl for a number of years uh but he is back and man this signing was originally uh, reported as one year up to $5 million, but the base salary in this with the roster bonus is 1.5 million. He signed for essentially nothing. And I'm just really intrigued by this. What do you think about this? Yeah, I think intrigued is a good way of putting it. He's a guy that the ceiling is high and yeah, the floor is probably low due to injury risk, but not due to performance. It doesn't seem like if he's in there, he's going to suck. It seems like, He's going to be pretty good, but the question will be whether he's durable enough to sustain throughout a whole NFL season. But um, I'm really impressed with the guy. I think that he came across in his intro presser as humble and hungry and excited to be here and was just very um, I I watch a lot of, you know, every time the Chiefs sign a, a guy, I'll watch, you know, his first little bit. And most of the time it's pretty cookie cutter stuff, pretty basic, not really like Joe Tooney's opening presser was very, very Belichickian, very cookie cutter. There wasn't really anything um, to write home about with that one. He seemed like a good guy, but I mean, just not, not fun. And I felt like Kyle Long looks like the type of guy that's going to bring energy. He reminds me of when they signed Clark and Matthew, where like their opening pressers, I was like, damn, these guys are like, they're fired up. They're, they're going to bring a lot of lot of heat to the locker room and I think that um he's got that exact type of attitude that they do ready to fire the guys up and have fun and and go in there and work hard and I'm looking forward to him I think he's I I really really hope he works because I'm rooting for the guy yeah and he's still I mean he's still only 32 years old I mean he looks like a monster 
he does. He struggled with injuries his last several years in Chicago, missed quite a few games. But what I took away from his presser was, I mean, he he came flat out and said, like, hey, I retired, but like I knew I was coming back. Like I knew it was essentially a year off and I was going to come back, you know, fully recharged and fully energized. And I mean, your point about kind of his energy level is a good one because I, I saw Jeff Schwartz on Twitter you know, basically pointed out, and I think he knows, he knows, um, Kyle, you know, they're offensive linemen, you know, I just Mm -hmm. assume all offensive linemen are kind of friends outside (laughs) of, outside of the league. But, uh, you know, he said the guy just wanted to play football and he was always coming back and that's what he wanted to do. And so, you know, it was great to hear him say, you know, in his presser, one of the answers that he gave that wasn't cookie cutter and was pretty fun was, uh, you know, they asked him if Pat Mahomes played a role in the recruiting process. And he said, well, actually, I reached out to him and I said, yeah. get get me in yeah. here. Like, yeah. like yeah. tell Veach to sign me because I really <laughs> want to play here. Uh, he said that he took this this visit early in the recruiting process because he knew that, you know, guys were going to want to come here. That's right. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> She's right. had a lot of guys yet. Jeez, yeah. But it was nice to hear him say that. And, uh, you know, you want to talk about a guy that brings a personality that is exciting and fun long number 69 yeah, yeah long he's 69 gonna, jerseys he's gonna get along with travis just fine i'll tell you that <laughs> yeah um another quote that he had that i was really impressed by is he was kind of talking about um his confidence level and having success and he said i know what it's like not only to succeed in this league at a relative level but to yes. dominate to, to be the best. And, yes. you know, that was something that it's one thing to want to come in and fit in and, and do your part and help the team and all the, all the platitudes and stuff. But like, you know, you got to have guys that are alpha dogs that want to come in and have the, as Tyron says, championship swagger. And mm-hmm. it seems like Kyle's got that, you know, in spades right off the bat. He just, he just really feels like a good fit. Yeah. And for a guy that, that was retired, I mean, he said, I was always going to come back. But for a guy to make the decision after taking a year off from football to come back and want to play and assign for one and a half million dollars, uh-huh. you know, with incentives, I mean, that's basically backup money. Like he's coming in to win a job yep. with the Chiefs, right? And for a guy that's a three-time Pro Bowler, I mean, that's that's awesome uh, to have him bring that energy. I will say he's another one that obviously he, he was asked in his presser where he was going to play. Uh, Herbie Tiope specifically asked you know, about right tackle. So he, he played one season in the NFL at right tackle in 2015 bears moved him out to right tackle mm-hmm. had not played right tackle in the NFL. He made the pro bowl. So <laughs> pretty good. You know, he's another guy that certainly gives you some versatility and gives you some depth. And I think that's a good thing. Now the chiefs obviously still need to make some additional moves on the offensive line, but man, if this is a guy that could come in and play right guard or right tackle and, and maybe get back to a point where he's playing it at a high level, that would be great to see, especially for the money, which is very nice. Did you like when they asked him if he could play center and he said, well, I've never played it and I'm left-handed. <laughs> right. and I don't think there are any left-handed centers, but he's like, I'm willing to try. And Yeah. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it's just, it's a good mentality to have. It's great to hear a guy come in and kind of give all those answers, but you're right. He didn't, he didn't come across as phony or cliche. I mean, he came across, I thought in the presser is very earnest, mm-hmm. very energetic, a guy that really just loves football and wants to come back and dominate. And he does have a mean streak, which you like to have in your guards, your interior offensive linemen. He came back, you know, to, to kick some guys asses, which is cool. Yep. I, 
I loved it. And it was uh, it was fun that he visited the Raiders first. He <laughs> Very was, fun, given what's going on over in Vegas these days. Yeah, he was in the building when it was leaked or reported that the Raiders would be cutting Rodney Hudson. More on him in a minute. And uh, shortly after that, it was announced that Kyle Long was leaving without signing a deal. Came to Kansas City, signed a contract with us. He was asked about... Uh, the Raiders in his opening presser because obviously his dad was a, a longtime Raider great and he said that it was just different here in Kansas City um, you know just a different energy different vibe here felt like uh, than there was in Las Vegas so yeah good uh, good positive vibes fun little opening presser for Kyle Long I hope it works out yeah me too it's uh it's also fun that Howie Long is going to have to Maybe I don't want to say root for the Chiefs, but I kind of like that little angle there. That's that's good stuff. Yeah, I like it too. And obviously, he's going to be competing with uh, LDT, who is also coming back from a year off football. So you've got two guys at right guard that are kind of, you know, they're both coming back from a year off. Hopefully, their bodies are fully healed and they're recharged. They're ready to go. It's just going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. You know, speaking of LDT, I guess the signing also kind of, I don't want to maybe say cast a, a doubt, but... I was kind of slotting him in there as an automatic starter at left guard, just based on kind of some, you know, just the way that the team had talked about him coming back from his year off and all that stuff. And now I kind of wonder if this signing had something to do with them at least being skeptical about his game shape or availability. I don't know. That's obviously just me speculating, but um, I certainly am not as confident in LDT being a, you know, full-time starter for the chiefs after the signing of long as I was before that. Yeah. It is interesting to note. He did restructure last year. LDT did before he opted out to make his contract for this year, essentially fully guaranteed. So the chiefs would not lose or they would not gain any money by cutting LDT. So he's kind of going to be on the roster. Now he's not making very much money. He kind of took a pay cut to make that money fully guaranteed, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that shakes out. Regarding people who are coming back, we got a lot of news on that front. Not a lot of new faces coming in so far. We're keeping our uh, one eye on the Twitter as we record this just to see if uh, if any new signings come in. But a number of Chiefs are coming back. Daryl Williams signed a new deal to come back. Andrew Wiley is back. He was tendered a contract. Taco Charlton is back. Byron Pringle is back. Ben Neiman is back <laughs> and Charvarius Ward is back. Uh, and then uh, two guys that, uh, well, one guy that was on the team two years ago when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, re-signed today, Blake Bell, the belldozer, and then <laughs> Elijah McGuire, former Jet running back. I don't think he ever made an active roster, but he's back too. So a number of guys back. Anybody that stands out from that list that you're excited to uh, see back in red? Taco, man. To the taco signing was great. He was doing awesome before he got hurt and, you know, obviously has the former first round pedigree. We were fired up when he joined the team in the first place. And I just really think that the D line could use a guy with his, his skill set again. And uh, I think he's my, my number one um, ad there of those, of that group. Yeah, I like it too. He played just 90 snaps last year before he got injured, kind of was a rotational piece to start out the year, but he had two sacks and four quarterback hits on just 90 snaps. That's pretty good pass rush production. And like you said, I mean, he does have the first round pedigree. I I mean, I think he flashed a little bit. I was excited to see him back. Excited to see Byron Pringle and Daryl Williams, both guys that, you know, have had roles um, really more as backups in the past, but both have occasionally, you know, been elevated to larger roles, especially Daryl. 
down the stretch last year where there were times where he looked like he was our best running back. Good to have both those guys back. Trevor's Ward, obviously uh, was reported. We had a little bit of a scare on char because it was not reported that he had been tendered a contract until after the deadline had passed. But it turns out that was just kind of late reporting. He did make it back second round tender on him. What that means is if somebody tries to come in and sign him, they can sign him essentially to an offer sheet, but the chiefs could match any offer by another team coming in to try and steal him away. And if the other team does steal him away, then the chiefs get a compensatory pick. So he's likely to be back. And then Ben Neiman, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I don't know what's going on there. That, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but he's back on the team. I, I wonder where Byron Pringle is going to end up after free agency in the draft on the wide receiver depth chart. Um, he obviously was a special teams dynamo and did show some flashes in the passing game. And um, I pointed this out on Twitter, but it blew my mind that he's only five months younger than Sammy Watkins. It feels like he's like a young pup and Sammy's like an old vet. And I guess that's just more of exposure than it is you know, time they've been around. So that was, I I'm excited. Uh, Byron, obviously being a K state guy, a lot of people around this area are rooting for him pretty hard. And I'm hoping that um, he takes a little step forward this year. Yeah, me too. And certainly the way that uh, the wide receiver depth chart shakes out right now, he's probably the wide receiver three behind no D Rob and no Tyreek and McCole Hardman. Yep. And really probably could be the wide receiver too, because McCall Hardman stinks. <laughs> <Sucks>. but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, we, we all are rooting for McCall Hardman. Of but, course. Man, yeah. yeah. And he seems like a good kid and everything. He just, he just underperformed and that's okay. Yeah. You know I yeah. mean? If he, if he turns it around and, and blows up, we're all going to be on his, on his side. So hopefully that happens too. We've got to talk about uh, a significant cut that was made, maybe not as significant on the field, but certainly a guy that has a special place in chief's history Damian Williams was cut. This was something that you and I were all over a year ago when he decided to opt out. Um, When he made the decision to opt out, which he did because his mother had cancer and he did not want to expose her to, you know, possible COVID risk, a very noble decision on his part. Uh, That pushed his 2019 contract to 2020 or to 2021, excuse me, his 2020 contract to 2021. Mm -hmm. And we kind of looked at that last year and said, you know, the, $2 $2 million that Chiefs could save in a year where the cap's probably going to go down and running back is probably going to be a position that they have quite a bit of depth that he could be a cap casualty. And unfortunately he was released. Uh, there was a statement put out, or I think Nate Taylor reported that he was stunned to find that he had been cut by the chiefs, which is always yeah. sad to hear. Just, yeah. uh, just kind of a bummer to see a guy like that go out, but hopefully he lands on his feet. Well, and like you said um, at the start of that, you know, he will always have a very special place in any Chiefs fan that was around to watch the Super Bowl run. I mean, he was, you know, he was playoff Damien and had the 10 playoff touchdowns with the Chiefs in his couple of years and was just had a really, really big impact in really big games. And, you know, it's a business and you hope that even though he was stunned by the decision, you hope that, you know, they kind of walked him through everything and, and that he understands now kind of where they came from. And I just hope that he's not too down on himself. I mean, he'll, he'll get another job somewhere. Someone's going to watch that tape from him, you know, scoring a game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, And they're going to say, I want that guy on our team. So good luck for Damien. And it's too bad, but um, like you said, the running back group between Clyde and Daryl and I guess Darwin Thompson, I mean, they've got some talent there, so we'll see, we'll kind of see what they end up doing with that. 
Yeah, and you know he scored the last two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. He scored the go-ahead touchdown and then right. scored the the game-breaking touchdown that that put it away. Runs to immortality. Uh, so certainly we're sad to see Damian out the door, but um, you know that is a position where the Chiefs certainly can can add via free agency if they're inclined to, or certainly the guys that they have. They've they've got some some horses already. Philip Lindsay maybe. Philip Lindsay, maybe that's something that we can uh, we could maybe look into. He was cut today, or I I guess non tender. That's yeah. technically a baseball term, non tendered. But he was not tendered a contract by the Broncos today, which uh, I know was uh, surprising and upsetting for many Broncos fans since he's a Colorado guy. But yeah, that would be fun. It would be fun even if it was just as kind of like a troll sign yeah. to bring in yeah, you know Philip sure. Lindsay and be like, hey, you know, like you thought this guy sucked and you didn't give him a contract. Well, watch this. We'll get yeah. him back for the Jamal signing. Yeah. Right. Well. Yeah, I, I mean, kind of. That's I know. I still got a, a sour <laughs> taste in my mouth about that one. Uh, yeah. Speaking of non-tendering, a couple of guys that were on the Chiefs roster that were not tendered contracts: tight end Dion Yelder and cornerback Alex Brown, not tendered contracts. Uh, Austin Ryder as well was not tendered a contract, but apparently, maybe coming back. The Chiefs, I guess, have expressed some interest potentially in bringing him back. Uh, he's said to be weighing his offers. We certainly will keep an eye on that. We 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 left the guy out, Taylor, uh, mm-hmm. talking about returning Chiefs, and that was Nick Kaiser, <laughs> uh, beloved tight end three. Mm. Is uh, he's going to be back on the roster? So get excited for him to uh, you know drop one critical pass every three <laughs> three games when he's targeted. That will uh, be uh, that will be exciting. Yeah. yeah, hopefully he's a good locker room presence because he ain't doing much on the field. He certainly is not. We can talk about kind of the rest of free agency and where we're at as of, you know, Thursday night, uh, March 18th. To do that, we probably should start with kind of how the Chiefs attacked this free agency period beyond the signings that we've already kind of discussed. The the guys that they were in on, the guys that we would like for them to be in on, and that starts with Trent Williams. Yeah, He was my top pick in the draft at number two overall when we were doing our free agency draft last year, or last week. But it feels like it. It does feel like it. It does feel like it. But it's only been a week since we did that. I picked Trent Williams number two because he was by far – the best tackle on the board. The Chiefs obviously need two tackles, most importantly, a left tackle. One of the best tackles we've seen in the game, certainly over the last two decades. And the Chiefs were in on him to the very end. He ended up signing with the 49ers where he played last year and kind of had alluded to even before free agency started that he wanted to be back. But he ends up signing for a record-breaking $138 million deal which essentially comes down to two deals. The first one of which is essentially a three or $60 million deal. Now that's very reasonable, but we heard the chiefs were in it. He ended up signing in the middle of the night on Wednesday morning. Essentially we heard the chiefs were in it until the end. What do you think about what is that pursuit of Trent Williams? What does that tell you kind of about what the chiefs were trying to do? Well, the first thing I think about is that it tells you that the chiefs are still willing and able to spend big bucks. And I think that's really fun. I think that that's something that shows that they know they're not done. They know they're not, you know, um, they're just not going to sit on their hands like, you know, Chris Ballard or someone like that and just not spend any money. I mean, they're, they're being aggressive still. And, you know, he's a big, big talent, but that, that 138 million six year marker was obviously too, too rich for the chiefs. And that's fine. But if they were in it till the end, then clearly they were offering something close to that average annual value, something close to the years, and they were going after the biggest fish in the pond. And that's fun. That's fun to be 
right there in the thick of, you know, the best talent on the board. And sure, he stayed in San Francisco, but um, it just means that Veach is calling everybody and he's he's willing to go big. And, and that's kind of what you need. I don't know if there are many targets left for that type of move, but it means that he was willing sure. to do it. And that's fine. Yeah. And to be fair, we don't, we don't know that the chiefs didn't make the exact same offer. Yep. You know, we know that they were in it to the end. We know that he really wanted to stay in San Francisco and, you know, there was a piece out on the athletic that came out today. Mahomes was part of the recruiting process. He's a Texas guy as is Williams you know, uh, had, uh, I guess, had some prior conversations with him during the offseason. They kind of know each other uh, casually, you know, both being from Texas, and he was part of the recruiting pitch. It's a little bit disheartening, I guess, that the Chiefs made such a strong push, and it wasn't enough. You know, the, the, the lower income taxes here, the opportunity to come play with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, potentially mm-hmm. win a ring and make – a ton of money uh, was not enough to land him. But I think that kind of just speaks to how much he wanted to stay in San Francisco, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's sad that the Chiefs couldn't land him. He is 32. He's going to be 33 when the season starts. You know, he's older than Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. And, you know, Mitch Schwartz until this last year was an Ironman. He had never missed a snap for mm-hmm. you know the first seven years of his NFL career. And now he might be retiring. It just is tough to make that kind of commitment to a player of his age. And, and that could be what the deal breaker was for the chiefs. But, and you know, if he was shrewd, he might've just been using the chiefs as leverage and sure. he might've never in his mind thought, well, I'm not going to leave San Francisco, but I can't just walk up to him and say, whatever you guys want, I'll sign. So, right. I mean, he could have said, well, the team that's been to back-to-back super bowls is calling me. I'm going to see the team what... that beat you in the super bowl. Is exactly. Exactly. And I'm going to see however much money they're going to offer. And you're going to offer me a dollar more than them. And maybe that was how it worked. Yeah. Right. Exactly right. So the Chiefs uh, certainly have been trying to improve on their offensive line. We didn't talk about Mike Rimmers, I guess. I, yeah. I, I guess speaking a little bit out of order, uh, let, let, let's let's get to Mike Rimmers in a minute. We He didn't sure. make it into the first wave of signings. We'll, we'll go in chronological order from now on. Okay. So Trent Williams signs with San Francisco. And this next one really, I'm still pretty steamed about this, Taylor. Yeah. So Me too. So... So Wednesday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon, I guess it was, it was leaked that the Raiders would be cutting Rodney Hudson, their former all pro center and former chief, great player, great center, a guy that went to the Raiders in free agency a few years ago and didn't drop off at all. Like he was a great player in Kansas city, Kansas city. Widely regarded as one of the best centers in the game. Yeah. Chiefs weren't going to pay him. He went to the rival Raiders and he was great part of some great offensive lines in Las Vegas last year before that in uh, Oakland, you know, in 2016, they had that great offensive line yep. that propelled them that their only winning season since 2001. Oof. I think it's been, uh, you, 03, you know, but yeah. Yeah. Oh three. Sure. It, it, it's been a while Raiders fans. Sorry. Sorry for your loss. Yeah. Uh, like they're listening. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, we're all blocked on Twitter, et cetera. So on <laughs> So uh, it's leaked that the Raiders are going to release Rodney Hudson. And this was puzzling because they were going to lose money against the cap by releasing him. They weren't going to save any money. Nope. So then it kind of gets released. It gets leaked out or strongly implied. Nobody came out and said the Raiders are cash broke, but it was heavily implied that the Raiders are cash broke, which would make sense because they also traded Trent Brown to the Patriots yep. for pennies on the dollar. They cut and then actually ended up trading Gabe Jackson 
their guard to the Seahawks. Yep. They cut and then re-signed for less money, Richie Incognito. Mm-hmm. They basically wiped out their entire offensive line. And this news rocked Chiefs Kingdom because we just lost out on Trent Williams. Everybody loves Rodney Hudson. We yep. were stoked he was going to be a free agent. He was going to come back. Except Taylor. The move was not official. He wasn't actually released. And so on Wednesday, they said, oh, wait, wait a second. We're going to release this guy. But <laughs> we checked our Twitter mentions. <laughs> yeah, we checked our Twitter mentions. And it turns out he's not actually a free agent yet. Does anybody want to trade for him? And, you know, I mean, like he was going to come to the Chiefs, right? Like, I, yeah. I mean, it just made too much sense not to happen. We had the money. Yep. You know, we had we had Andy Reid. We have Patrick Mahomes. And the Raiders said, fuck that. We're going to trade this guy to the Arizona Cardinals. And the Arizona Cardinals gave him a third round pick because they said, fuck that. We're not going to let this guy go to free agency. He's just going to sign with the Chiefs. So they gave him a third round pick when the Raiders were going to cut him. They were going to serve him up to us on a silver platter. Okay. We're going to take him. And then instead, the Raiders get a third round pick and we don't get Rodney Hudson. Yeah. I I said this to you in the chat earlier today, but that's the biggest L of free agency for me so far is is missing out on a golden opportunity, not only to plug in one of the best centers of the game in a spot that the chiefs need, but also the entire story with the Raiders just makes that so much tastier. And I just feel like this is a move where Mayock is sitting in his office and he's going, shit, I don't really know how to be a GM. I don't really know how to do this. What if I just think of stuff and then call a reporter and then leak some stuff that I'm thinking about doing and just see what the reactions are like. And if they're bad, then I know I shouldn't do that thing that I leaked. And if they're good, then I should do that <laughs> thing that I leaked. And I think that's what the game he played here. He was just like, well, would people really be pissed if I cut Rodney Hudson? And then he's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be really mad. I, oh, I guess I should trade him. And then he, and then he traded him. So that's my, uh, that's my headcanon for what went on in the, Oakland Brain Trust, if you can even call it that these days, they are just. Well, you wouldn't call it Oakland. You, you'd call it Las Vegas. But. Well, I'm, I still call them Oakland. I don't care. <laughs> I, they haven't earned Vegas. We haven't. They haven't even been a sure. fan that's gone to a game there. And that's one of the reasons their cash broke too. Yeah, is they right. built a gigantic Death Star Stadium and then couldn't get any ticket sales from there. Ah, uh, it's uh, it's it's a bad time to be Raider Nation and Raider Cody and all of our all of our uh, fun friends there. But you know what they did do today, Taylor? They signed. Yeah. Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake and to, a year, to, to a two-year $12 million deal. I think $12 million <laughs> guaranteed. They signed a backup running back for $12 million after they cut their entire offensive line. <laughs> <laughs> you know how much money Josh Jacobs makes? He makes like $2 million a year because he's oh still in his rookie deal. So, sure. so Kenyon Drake actually makes three times as much oh money as God. Josh Jacobs does what to back you? him up. I guess they were both Bama running backs, so they're they're kind of buds or whatever. But, um, I mean, yeah, what are they doing? Like I said, they also signed Theo Riddick today, so they signed two running backs today. Oh, yeah. They well, have more know. running backs than offensive line. <laughs> it's just – it's a preposterous strategy, especially when your quarterback is Derek Carr, who we know absolutely sucks without an offensive line that could generate – you know, zero pressure on him. Like yeah. if, if he has He's any pressure strong. on him at all, he is terrible. Yeah. It's just going to be, it's going to be ridiculous. Chiefs are going to feast. Well, they also on brought the in John Brown, of course. So, you know, they did bring in John Brown, Big Nelson Aguilar, went to the Patriots. Yeah. Before we get into our mailbag segment, is there anything else from free agency that kind of stuck out to you? Obviously the chiefs, since those two major signings and bringing back a bunch of, you know, capable middle of the roster kind of guys have been pretty quiet. Well, the Patriots, the Patriots stuck out to me, 
you know, big time with all their, they spent $250 million in this free agency. They signed two tight ends. They signed the best two tight ends on the board in Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. I mean, they just went bonkers and you got to feel like some of that is a little bit of Tom Brady envy, a little bit of kind of, he left us, he went and won without us. We're going to, you know, we're going to show him. I mean, they brought in Matt Judon. You already said Nelson Aguilar. They brought in Dave and Godshow. Kyle Van Noy came back. Jalen Mills. I mean, they re-signed Cam Newton, brought in Kendrick Bourne. They, they went nuts. They, they just yeah. absolutely, that's still, there's about, you well, know, five more guys that I haven't named. You're li- leaving off the two tight ends. They signed the two biggest tight ends in this class, both of whom made our draft board just because we thought it would be fun to have like a really good tight end too, because, you know, when you, you've got kind of a luxury uh, a luxury franchise, you can afford cool luxury things. The Patriots said, nope, we're taking both of these tight ends. We're going to sign them to identical yeah. giant deals. They're now tied <laughs> for the third highest tight end contracts in the NFL. Hunter Henry and a half million and John Smith. Yeah. yeah, just uh, just a really – I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. They spent a lot of money, and they signed a lot of players, and I'm really curious to see – how it works out. I mean, at the end of the day, their quarterback is still for now, Cam Newton, who kind of stunk last year. It's probably going to be Deshaun. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Wait, uh, I guess we should probably touch on the Deshaun thing. Uh, This might be something that we get into more in future episodes as it kind of develops as a story. He had a lawsuit filed against him. Now I think we're up to three lawsuits filed against him by Tony Busby, a Houston attorney alleging sexual misconduct, the last of which involves a a masseuse that he allegedly sexually assaulted. Um, No criminal investigation or charges that we know about yet, but the NFL has launched an investigation. And this obviously, aside from the fact that it's, it's obviously it's huge news when one of the best players in the NFL, you know, is alleged to have been involved in something like this, boy, it has a lot of consequences for, how this season could play out because obviously he was already at the center of trade talks and now he's under investigation by the NFL. You know, how's that going to play out? Is he going to be tradable? Are the Texans going to try and get out from his deal? What's going to happen? It's so strange because all the motivations seem to be pulling in so many different directions. You know, you've got, the, the Houston brass, which has got to be thinking, you know, they've been saying all along, we're, we're keeping Deshaun, we're keeping Deshaun. They've been saying that, you know, since the rumors came out. But, like, you know, what is his value to them? What do other teams think his value is? Is the, is the masseuse lawsuit string, which, first of all, I was under the impression that all six of these eventual lawsuits that Busby's going to bring are all – masseuse masseuses uh, yeah i think that's probably masseuses right. i think and uh, and so i think that this is the same kind of you know the same establishment probably that he was going to and then busby went there and kind of did his lawyer stuff but um yeah it's just it's very strange because you know is another team gonna look at this and think oh we're gonna stay away from deshaun like is this a plant by the houston front office to like kill any trade buzz for him if not then they could just say no to any trade so that doesn't really make a lot of sense i don't know i don't really know who's pulling the strings here i don't either and we'll obviously see how the legal process plays out but man it would be it would be pretty wild if the texans were trying to destroy the value of the quarterback that they still hold the rights to 
and then had to like you know void his contract so that he just <laughs> becomes a free agent and they get that nothing be, for him that would be savage the bounty of draft capital and they just end up being tyrod taylor and a bunch of like dime oh store free God. agents i mean it, it just is uh it's a mess it's very messy houston is the most moribund trash franchise in the nfl it's just uh it's a it's a bit of despair taylor yep. Yep, that's the worst sports town in the country right now. Well, we will certainly have more news, I'm sure, next week. There's still plenty of quality free agents left. I know people are freaking out. I get it. I'm freaking out a little bit, too. I want the Chiefs to make some more moves. We need to sign some tackles that aren't Mike Remmers. <laughs> he's he's back. He could maybe be the starting right tackle. We'll know more next week, I'm sure. But we got to get into this mailbag question. We got our mailbag superstar, Jordan Skarin. Kaka! Question for the pod. If you could sign five current Royals to the Chiefs roster, who would they are, who would they be, and what would they play? And if you could sign five current Chiefs to the Royals roster, same thing. I decided to expand this, Taylor, for the purposes of discussion uh, to make this more interesting, more fruitful. We're going to go with all-time Chiefs, all-time Royals. That's partly a little bit of a cop-out because, as we've discussed on previous shows, we aren't as into the Royals as we used to be. Now, you know, we're we're getting back in there. You know, Bobby Witt sharing a last name with you and being awesome at baseball. That's kind of drawing you back in. I can officially name the Royals 40 man roster because I've now like, I'm fully bought in again, but like it took me a little bit. So yes, let's, let's go all timers. It's easier to talk about them. We got some great ideas for the all timers too. So let's do that. Yeah. So we're going to kick it off Royals that we are sending to the chiefs. And there's a really super (laughs) obvious mega easy one off the top. That's Bo Jackson who did play for the Royals and also played for the rival Oakland Raiders. He's a freak. Uh, You know, if you've ever watched the 30 for 30 on Bo Jackson, literally like, yeah, literally like a, a mythical figure Mm -hmm. in sports history he would obviously be a great choice because he played professional football and professional baseball. We're <laughs> he, sending him to the chiefs. He would be the answer. If you asked what one baseball player from history, could you bring to any football team? I mean, he's right. not just the answer for Royals to chiefs. He's right. the right. answer for baseball to football or, or right. vice versa. I mean, he is, he's the greatest two sport athlete of all time. And just like you said, he's like Paul Bunyan. Like they talked about how he would leap out of knee or uh, waist high water, like onto the land without, he's like Aquaman. Like, I don't know. He was, Bo was awesome. Uh, so that's a great slam dunk pick. Um, I thought Salvi giving his, given his frame is just gigantic beastly frame that Salvador Perez would make a really good uh, lineman of some kind. So yeah, probably a, probably a guard, you know, probably a guard. Great. He's great at guarding. Not the that plate. the chiefs don't have enough. Yeah, we have plenty of guards, but what's another guard? Salvi could come in and play guard. His legs are like, you know, the size of tree trunks. He would definitely be he would definitely be an enticing option there. You know, we probably could teach him to to hike a football. He could probably play center. I don't know. You know, could be fun. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, okay, hold on. This one's mine. I got I got to take this one because I'm bringing Zach Greinke to the Chiefs and He's not an obvious choice. I mean, you know, with Bo and Salvi, it's about physical traits, right? Yeah. Yeah. Grinky's a little slender. Yeah. With Grinky, it's about mental traits. And I'm thinking he comes in in an offensive coordinator role because Zach Grinky as a pitcher is the goofiest, most unpredictable person to ever take the mound and pitch a baseball at least in in at least in the modern era listen baseball is a long a long (laughs) sport with a rich history of eccentric people to play it 
Uh, but Zach Greinke, you know, famously throwing, you know, 50 mile an hour curveballs because he can. You know, there was a, a great story that came out about him last week uh, on The Athletic as well, where they talked to a bunch of his catchers. And yeah. his catcher, I forget which catcher it was, but he came out to the mound and Greinke was like, I'm going to, don't you think a cutter would be good in this situation? And his catcher's like, do you even throw a cutter? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no, but I think I can Wouldn't figure it, it out. Dope? <laughs> yeah, like, no, I don't throw one, but but I think uh, I can figure it out for this one pitch. Right. So he would be like, he would be my offensive coordinator, right. Or like an offensive assistant. He'd good. come in and he would just sit on the sidelines and <laughs> come up with weird, like turtles dream and outer space plays. Like we're just yeah. coming up with the weirdest left field stuff. Totally. Plus, I mean, he's a great motivational speaker. I'm sure you remember the story where, you know, when Alex Gordon came up and was kind of in a slump at the start of his career, where Granky showed him video of Granky's home run that he hit. <laughs> you know, to kind of get him going. So I think he would just, he would be a great coach. Yeah. He's the best. He's one of my favorite sports personalities of all time, for sure. Uh, That athletic story had a good bit with him talking to John Buck and he was like, John, I don't know if you can catch me anymore. He said, how come? And he was like, cause you're too smart. You, you, I, I overthink whenever I think I know what I'm going to throw. If you put something different down, I think about like, oh, well, John knows what he's talking mm-hmm. about. Maybe it should be that. I think I want to throw to Olivo. And he goes, well, why do you want to throw to Olivo? And he goes, cause he's dumb. And Olivo was, <laughs> Olivo was sitting right there. And he goes, you call me dumb? And he goes, well, yeah, but that's why I want to throw to you. Cause I don't overthink it. Like he just, he just cut right through the bullshit. He just told everything the way that it was, you know, he just was a very, very eccentric and real guy. I'm a huge Grinky fan. Yeah, he was the best. Uh, Miguel Olivo is an underrated mention. He's not <laughs> yeah. on our list, yeah. but but yeah. Miguel Olivo is a dog. He would he, he is. Would for sure be an intriguing option as well for the all-time Royals. But we Were also you at had... that Royals game where he got into a fight with the White Sox. Was was oh, I with you on that game? Oh yes. And yeah. if I recall correctly, I could be I could be getting my my Royals Whites. mixed up, but I remember specifically a White Sox game where Granky was pitching. Yeah. This was before the Cy Young year. I think yeah. this was in 2008, maybe towards the end of the year when he came back into the rotation, where uh-huh. uh, I, I guess he was in the rotation full time in 2008. Anyway, he was clearly, he was like almost at a hundred pitches. He was uh-huh. clearly almost going to come Gassed. out of the game. And he just hit Nick Swisher, like on, <laughs> clearly on purpose. And instead of waiting to get tossed, he like hit him and then just walked off the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> went back to the dugout and Ozzy Guillen was the White Sox manager. He of uh-huh. course lost his shit. Yep. The Royals were up like 14 to two in this game. Mm. And I think Olivo was catching and, you know, he was a former White Sox and, and a, a noted, a noted hothead, yep. uh, always ready for a fight. I'm sure that's the other reason Greggy loved throwing to him. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was definitely a guy that would bail Zach out when he would do goofy stuff. That's right. Um, we had another uh, another option in here. The previously mentioned Alex Gordon. Uh, Alex Gordon. I mean, you know, he 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 could play football. That guy was yeah. that guy was jacked. He like, was from hey, Nebraska too. I'm sure he played football all the time. He did. You know? He did play yeah. football. He was a football player growing up. Um, yeah. I mean, he would be. He's like your prototypical linebacker body. Uh, he would be. He would be a beast. So can't can't go without mentioning Alex Gordon. And then number five, <laughs> the beast of all beasts, Mr. Matt stairs, the trucker himself. We, yeah, uh, of course. we loved him. You know, he was kind of a, a deep uh, roster player on the Royals, but he's huge and round and jacked. And all he did was hit home runs and just, just would be, you know, would be an ultimate football player. Yeah. Matt stairs, you know, I mean, grew up playing hockey and then he ended up playing baseball and now i think he's like coaching hockey or something he's yeah you know he just uh he 
he's had such a he's had such an interesting and great career but yeah you want to talk about a guy that's uh you know built with uh, an offensive lineman body uh a little bit short but certainly stout certainly stout he would have been he would have been a good choice so on the Chiefs side of things who are we sending from the chiefs roster over to the royals well there's the easy answer which is a guy that was drafted by the detroit tigers and a guy whose dad pitched in the major leagues oh who could this be and a guy that we all know and love. And it's a Mr. Patrick Mahomes. Who is also an owner of the Royals. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that'd be amazing. He'd be the first owner player ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, Pat's the easy answer. Patrick's the easy answer there. He's uh, He pitched in, in high school and college and was really good at it. Some breaking news, Taylor. David Andrews, center for the Patriots, uh-huh. is returning to New England. Dang, that's too bad. He was a good good target. I thought you were going to tell me that Dante Moncrief signed with the um, Houston Texans. No, I wasn't going to tell you that. Or former Bengals wide receiver Alex Erickson. Yeah. Saw that too. (laughs) That's not not the kind of news that we crave. But David Andrews is going back to New England, so he will not be on the Chiefs radar. The second guy we had here is a guy that if he existed in baseball, the Royals would definitely sign him or draft him or acquire him in a trade that's Tyreek Hill he's like the yeah he's like Dayton Moore's wet dream Uh, (laughs) a guy that can run really fast and probably couldn't hit I've never seen Tyreek Hill try and hit a baseball but he would run really fast you know he would be the Terrence Gore he would be the Gerard Dyson although Gerard could at least you know he could at least take a walk and he's back you know Gerard is back he he should have been in consideration for our you know our our Royals Chiefs because he would have been he would have been a good wide receiver. He would have been a good pick. In any case, Tyree Kill is uh, the next man that's going from the Chiefs to the Royals to play baseball. Who else you got? So two former quarterbacks of the Chiefs were both drafted, as well as Mahomes, but these other two guys were also MLB draft picks. Now, there are a litany of NFL quarterbacks that have been taken in deep rounds of NFL drafts that have never made an MLB appearance, whether it be – Tom Brady or Dan Marino or John Elway or any of those guys, they've all, you know, they've all been drafted if they had Russell Wilson, any amount of talent for there. But these two guys are two of the uh, two of the mats in Chiefs history. That is, of course, Matt Moore, who was taken in the 2004 draft in the yeah. 22nd round by the Angels and Matt Castle who was taken in the 2004 draft as well by the Oakland Athletics in the 36th round. Yeah, I mean, I like both of these guys, and to be frank, not, I mean, I don't want to be smirch Matt Moore. You know, he he got us some fond memories in our season, Uh, but as a bonus, we get these guys off of the Chiefs, and again, (laughs) I don't want to be smirch Matt Moore, but if we could have shipped Matt Castle to the Royals, you know, circa 2011, that would have been great. would have been a nice way to just kind of get rid of him i was just kind of taking a quick peek here at matt moore's baseball career i guess he played shortstop third base you know he he would have had uh you know he would have had some moxie you know maybe one of those utility infielders maybe we could use something like that uh not not a bad thing there matt castle was a was a little league world series superstar that's right yeah that's right and i bet his uh player picture looked identical from his little league days because that guy has a baby face he also went to the same high school as Mike Moustakis, former Royal. Oh, that's neat. Uh, the final person on our list, this was a great question, Jordan. Um, Tony Gonzalez is just, you know, he was the basketball star and converted over to football. He's big. He's 
athletically, you know, coordinated and all that stuff. And I feel like Tony would have, uh, would have been able to figure it out. I don't know how that's about the only other guys on the roster that had MLB or baseball experience. So I'm, I'm throwing Tony in there. I think he's a good candidate. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Tony is one of those guys that could be good at any sport, right? Like, I don't know if he ever had any specific background in baseball, but I think he could probably figure it out. Probably a guy that would maybe most fit as now he's big. He would be tall for an infielder, (laughs) but like, uh, you know, like maybe a a third baseman, like a glovey third baseman, you know, like a a Joe type. I don't know. Dives for, yeah. Cause he's got real good lateral movement and can catch and yeah, yeah. 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 I like that. Let's sign. Never drops anything. Uh, Yeah. Thank you for that question, Jordan. That was fun to kind of take a little trip down memory lane there. Talk about some of our favorite Royals from the glory days. And we hope that there are more of those come with the Royals. That brings us to our final segment, the roast. We've been roasting draft classes. We're going to continue to roast draft classes. And this week, Taylor, we're talking about the 2009 draft. Is that right? The 2009 draft. That is right. So the reason that this draft was brought uh, basically to my attention was that I pulled all the data for all the drafts since 1970 and was looking at all pro first round picks and pro bowlers. And I'm like, whoa, there is a big dip right pretty recently. And it was 2009. And that was because 2009 of all the draft years had the fewest total all pro first round picks or all pro first teamers and the fewest pro bowlers in NFL draft history, which is unbelievable. Now this is their career selections. And so, yes, you've got some, everything from basically 2015 down is, is fewer than that because those guys haven't had as much time to be in the league. But this is for all drafts where basically everyone's completed their careers. 2009 just had no one good ever at all. Well, that's, that's kind of amazing because I I mean, back in the day, the draft was like half as many players as it is now, right? Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. So I looked at the total numbers, but the drafted players, there were 256 players drafted and really around 250 every year since 1995 when they changed the draft length. But before that, there were only between 180 and 190 players drafted in NFL drafts. So yes, so not only were there more players picked in 2009 than anyone before 1994, but they still only had six all pro first teamers and still only had 54 pro bowl selections so i mean so as a whole when you look at the draft it obviously doesn't stack up but then you and i were just kind of going through and looking at some of the jokers that were picked high up in this draft and my god it is just so so we all remember matt stafford number one quarterback out of georgia's had a fine career hopefully he does all right with the rams but i mean yeah i'm rooting for him yeah yeah exactly seems like a good dude but like if he's the number one pick there then you've got all the chiefs fans remember the chiefs had the third pick all right and normally when you look back at a draft and you had the third pick there's probably someone that you should have taken right like, unless yep. you hit it out of the park, you probably are like, man, we could have grabbed that guy at seven that turned out to be a Hall of Famer or whatever. Right. But like, I'm looking at this draft and like, sure, the Chiefs missed with Tyson Jackson. Sure, he only played until 2016 and never did anything. But like, who should yeah, the Chiefs bad. have taken? I mean, uh, there yeah, was no great, one. Great question. Uh, really, really good question. Um, I mean, Michael Crabtree, who went 10th. Yeah, I mean, sixth round pick Jason McCourty, who's still playing. <laughs> I, I don't know. Seventh round pick Julian Edelman. No, come oh, on. Like, no. I mean, I, these are like some of the handful of players that are still active in this this draft class. The the guy that 
had ended up with the the most career approximate value is Stafford. And the guy that ended up with the second most is LaShawn McCoy, who was a second round running back. I mean, obviously the Chiefs were going to take a running back third overall. Clay Matthews third and Alex Mack, who's still playing, just signed a three-year deal with the 49ers at center. The the fourth best player in this draft was a center. And the fifth best player in this draft was, <laughs> was Max Unger with Seattle, also a center. <laughs> it just is the the seventh best player in this draft is Julian Edelman, Man. who was the seventh round wide receiver. He was pick number 232. I, I just want to return briefly, Taylor, to this all pro situation. Yeah. Because I was looking at the all pros in this draft. Okay. And one of the six first team all pro selections for this draft is Pat McAfee, Ooh. who is a punter. And runs a very entertaining, you know, sports radio show. Great but, show. But Pat McAfee, who was drafted, by the way, as a kicker. Uh, yeah. I, did not, I did not know that. Yeah. But uh, came into the league as a kicker. But he is one of the six first-team All-Pro selections, a punter. And Clay Matthews had one. The only guy in this entire draft class that had two or more, and he had exactly two, first-team All-Pro selections was LaShawn McCoy. Man. And he's... Uh, I mean, he was good I mean, for Michelle a second. Had a, yeah, he, he's had a great career. Let's, Did you let's hear not... him say recently when he was talking about his uh, Hall of Fame eligibility? And he was like, and I've got two championships. <laughs> and everyone like retweeted that. And they're like, shut the fuck up. You didn't play on either a snap yeah. on either of those games. But, yeah, you weren't active. Yeah, so but... he's got two. And Max Unger had one. And Luis Vasquez has one. And that's a center and a guard. So, I mean, you're talking about no – you know, the only impact player as far as like, you know, NFL lore and stuff is, is LaShawn McCoy with two all pro first team selections. That's it. I mean, this, this is a class that's just devoid of talent top to bottom. So you've got, so then the pro bowl selections, the, the most pro bowls, there are three guys with six in here. And of course it's the same three guys we've been talking about. LaShawn McCoy, Clay Matthews, Alex Mack. I mean, there's just Brian Arakpo had four of them. And then you've just basically got no one. So yeah, so, Jarius Bird. Jarius so sure. Bird had three pro, pro bowls. Jarius okay. Bird, yeah, of course. Yeah, right, of course. Vontae Davis, defensive back and brother of uh, – of oh, what's his name? Oh, my God. Vontae Davis. Davis. Vernon Davis. Vernon. Vernon. Davis. Vernon. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the tight end, of course. Yeah. Uh, Jared Cook, who's still in the league, he just signed uh, a new deal to uh, remain – or excuse me, to go to the Chargers for one That's right. year. Yep. He's ancient. He's 34. Hunter Henry there. Mike yeah, he Wallace. Has, he has two of the Pro Bowls in here. Mike, Mike Wallace, blast from the past. I mean, yeah. this is a this is just a horrifying draft class. I I want to kind of circle back to these first round picks because yeah, of course. there's always a little bit of a there's always a little bit of a I, I don't know, like a, a hindsight bias when we're looking back at a draft class, right? But it's really funny to me to look back at this draft class and see that there were a couple of running backs taken in the first round. Excuse me, just one running back taken in the first round. It was Donald Brown. Do you remember Donald Brown? Uh, I don't remember Donald Brown. No, Sean Marino was taken 12th, but yes. Oh, that's right. Two. Um, two, two, two. I knew I was missing. But yes, Donald Brown was, uh, he was a nobody. And Beanie Wells was 31st. Beanie Wells was 31st, three running backs in the first round. Beanie <laughs> Wells, Beanie Wells, Donald Brown, and Noshawn Moreno were the three running backs Man. taken in the first round of this draft. They, as a, a unit collectively, ended up with about 9,000 rushing yards for their career. Three first round running backs Ugh. couldn't crack 10,000 yards. LaShawn McCoy, by the way, to his credit, on his own, cracked 11,000. So Yeah, he was around he, forever. Yeah, yeah and, and he, he was pretty good. 
he did better than all three of the running backs selected in the first round of this draft. I want to talk real quick about picks two, four, and 11. Okay. okay. So pick right. two is by St. Louis. I'm glad we're not talking anymore about pick three. Because That's right. That yes. Chiefs pick and yeah. We don't, don't want to talk, talk about, about Tyson Jackson who actually played more games than these three people combined. <laughs> so pick two is this guy named Jason Smith. We all know Jason Smith. We all know a Jason Smith. It might not be this guy, but it's definitely a Jason Smith. And this Jason Smith was a tackle taken by the Rams that played in 45 career games. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with how long an NFL season is, but it's 16 games. It's 16. So games. three full seasons is 48 games. So this guy who was taken second overall, Oof. never even made three Full seasons in the NFL. So then good. Seattle comes in at fourth with, with their pick. And they're like, oh, we got you. You guys picked Jason Smith. He was right on the top of our board. But we're going to have to settle for Aaron Curry, a linebacker out of Wake Forest that completed the requisite 48 games required for three full seasons. And that is it. He had a, a wow. three-year career. His last year was 2012, as was Jason Smith's. And then to round it all out, the third player in the top 11 who didn't make it to 2013 in 2009 – was Buffalo's Aaron Maben. They took a defensive end at 11th overall out of Penn State, and the dude also played in 48 career games and never a game past 2012. That's amazing. Amazing. There were three people in the top 11 of this draft. And remember, I don't know if you remember from last week, but I talked about how the top 10 is where your guaranteed hits are. That's where of every player in the draft, you've got 30% of the All-Pros and 25% of the Pro Bowl selections of every draft come from the top 10 that's just you know of all the 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 picks that are hard the top 10 should be pretty easy but this had three of the top 11 that were so bad that they didn't even make it to the end of their rookie deals that's that's crazy that they couldn't even make it i mean they couldn't even stick around in the nfl as backups after yeah Yeah. most of these guys at least i mean you know josh freeman who was a shitty quarterback at least played till 2015 he at least played six years and i mean they just couldn't even get that they just were kicked out and never to be heard from again it's bad news uh speaking of shitty quarterbacks besides matt stafford who went one overall uh the fifth overall pick was mr butt fumble himself mark sanchez that's right who is now you know a college football commentator or whatever it is he's doing he actually (laughs) broke some news in this free agency class i'm not going to remember who it was but i remember seeing a tweet that said so and so is signing wherever and it was mark sanchez and i was like huh Mark Sanchez, NFL insider. Uh, Mark Sanchez, the fifth overall pick. Josh Freeman, the aforementioned Josh Freeman, taken at 17 overall. Those guys combined in their careers for about 28,000 passing yards, okay, between the fifth and 17th overall picks. Not great, not great. But still better than the QB4 in this draft, Pat White. Pat White had, uh, let's see. West Virginia legend. Zero career passing yards. Hmm. Pat White, I believe, is a former Royal. Is that really? Pat White? I believe. I'm going to look this up right now, live on the air. Okay. And he did sign with the Kansas City Royals after he was waived by the Dolphins. He signed a minor league deal hmm. with the Royals in 2010. I thought so. So Pat White was a second round pick, and this has to be one of the worst second round picks of all time. He yeah. appeared in 13 games. <laughs> 13. But he, he he appeared in 13 games in his rookie year, and he never played again. He had 21 rushes for 81 yards. He was drafted as a quarterback. He never threw a pass. He did. So, he was 0 for 5. Oh, he did. He did. It's just listed <laughs> he didn't second. One. 
it's it's listed second on his pro football reference page uh-huh. because he never completed a pass. Uh-huh. A quarterback. Yeah, uh, usually when you have zero passing yards, you're not a quarterback. But no, he was zero for no. five. Well, in, in any games. case, uh, Pat White was QB four in this draft, and the other guys, the other guys in this list, QB five was Stephen McGee, the the Giants. Who? Yeah, exactly. The Giants drafted some guy in the fifth round. This is just so classic Giants. They like love to draft these weird mid-round quarterbacks that are like total trash, you know, Davis Webb, whatever. Davis Webb, Rhett Bomar was the name of this quarterback. I think I toasted Rhett Bomar in uh, our quarterback preview episode this last summer. I did. Really? I remember him very well. Rhett Bomar. Yep. Yep. So he was was a former Oklahoma top 20 recruit that – just completely flamed out in the NFL. And that was when I was talking about every quarterback in the NFL and it took like two hours. And yes, I remember that was, and he was on my toast list for sure. That was scintillating podcasting <laughs> for our listeners. Yeah. It was. Uh, did you see that uh, the, the, uh, the coup, the crown jewel of that, that sort of uh, quarterback movement discussion that we had last year, Tim Boyle, Tim Boyle is uh, kicking around. He signed a deal this week, man. Good for Tim Boyle. Yep, he survived that roasting, and he is alive and well. He is a Detroit Lion. So, mm. Well, know. he can get uh, it back at the Packers then. Mike Garofolo, uh tweeted, former Packers QB Tim Boyle, a cult figure in Green yeah. Bay the last few years. That's right. I didn't realize that he had achieved cult status, probably because his college stats were 55.5 completion percentage, uh, 12 touchdowns, 26 interceptions. <laughs> 26 <laughs> boom roasted tim boyle we got you again again i think that's the third time on this podcast and it won't be the last 